We consider this morning in the preaching of the word and the hearing of the word, the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. We have an explanation of what this means, brief, succinct explanation in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 39, back of your Psalters, page 52, if you want to look at that. Here, the church in the Reformed tradition is being catechized or taught the fundamentals of all of the counsel of God, and at this point in the catechism, the fundamentals of our response, a glad response to God, and that would be in the keeping of the commandments and in a life of prayer. And here, Lord's Day 39, the question is asked, what is God's will for us in the fifth commandment? And the answer that I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, that I obey and submit to them as is proper when they correct and punish me, and also that I be patient with their failings, for through them God chooses to rule us. So there's an explanation, and that we might be grounded in the scripture on this fifth commandment, we would consider that fifth commandment in itself in Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. But from the perspective of the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6 especially, we would turn to that now and read in the context of Ephesians 6, 1, and 1 through 4 really, this section where the apostle is reminding the people of their family, that they are the family of God and that they are to behave accordingly. So I want to read, beginning at uh, verse 22 of chapter 5 and through verse 4 of chapter 6, so we understand the context. Ephesians 6, the apostle, having set forth the truth of the wonderful predestination of God, the choosing of God, of his people, in Christ before the foundation of the world, that's chapter 1, reminding them that they are saved by grace, chapter 2, and united with the Jews or the Gentiles to be one church. He's now in these last chapters giving practical application, and he would especially remind the people that they are a family people and to behave accordingly because of God's choosing them, that they might be holy in this foundational thing that God makes, a family of his people. Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, is also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her, her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects, reveres, or honors her husband." Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Thus far we read God's word. And again, in, in this light, we would see the light of the commandment we're told, as Israel was, to honor our father and our mother, and this with the promise 
that our days will be long in the land which the Lord our God is giving us. The fifth commandment is first in many ways. We've been considering all of the commandments of God, those ten written on stone and those ten we know because God has written them in the new covenant in our hearts. And so the first table of the law, as we say, is that which pertains to our duty to God, to have no other gods besides him, to make no graven images, not to take his name in vain, to keep his Sabbath holy. Those are the first four commandments. And now we are up to the first of the second table, the fifth commandment. So we understand that the fifth commandment with regard to obedience and honor of parents begins all of the list of the second table that has to do with our relations to one another. It's been called, as the fifth commandment, a swing commandment, being a hinge, as it were, between first table and second table, so that on our obedience to the first table hinges everything that follows, and the first commandment is that or the fifth commandment is that on which obedience to all of the commandments of the second table is hinged as well. And so it is so very important, even vital, for our not robbing people, not bearing false witness, not coveting, not committing adultery, and so on, that we obey father and mother, even as important as it is that we have no other gods Uh, that we honor our parents in honoring our God. There's something first about the fifth. And there's something first, and we're reminded of that with regard to it being the first commandment with promise, as Ephesians 2, uh, 6, verse 2 reminds us, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, if you know the Ten Commandments, as I do, reading them all uh, by um, every, every week and so on, you might uh, have your curiosity raised uh, because in one of the former commandments, in fact, the third, we're reminded that God will show mercy to those who take not his name in vain, even as he will hold, not hold them guiltless who, don't take, who do take his name in vain. So there's a promise there. It's a promise of mercy to those who keep uh, his name holy. Well, beloved, this is true, of course, and the fifth commandment, which is called the first with promise, is not contradicting that revelation of the mercy of God in the third commandment. The fifth commandment, however, is especially the first commandment with promise as it has to do with obedience to parents and in a a primary sort of way, a specific sort of way, God would show his mercy in this way, that we honor our parents. Something decisive and primary is being pointed out by God in the commandments and by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 in saying that the fifth commandment is the first commandment with promise. Very, very important that we consider and then obey the fifth commandment. So we want to consider this fifth commandment, the first with promise. And first of all, we want to consider that in in this world, God is in this world representing himself by authorities, and especially in the home, in the home where especially the Lord is in his covenant people. Then we want to consider that we are to honor God always and honoring first our parents as well as we consider that relationship. And then finally, we consider the promise itself that's appended to this uh, commandment, um, and that is that we might live long in the land which the Lord, our God, is giving to us. So the fifth commandment, the first with promise. God is pleased, beloved, to represent himself by authorities. They're called authorities. The authorities that be, Romans 13 says, 
They're of God. Representatives God has all over the place. And the fifth commandment about honoring father and mother reminds us that, first of all, he gives authorities in the home, both father and mother. But we want to consider also, as the catechism reminds us, that this has to do with our obeying and submitting uh, not only to authorities in the home, but to all those in authority over us. Many authorities God gives. You realize, perhaps you don't, but his authorities God gives even in nature. That is, we call them the laws of nature. You have to obey, for example, laws of nature. If you don't, you get in trouble. For example, gravity. So you go near a cliff and you don't want to go too near the cliff lest you fall off and you fall relentlessly down to your demise if you're not heeding that law of gravity. There's all kinds of laws of nature as we call them, laws of thermal dynamics, for example, and, and laws of this and that, laws that are mysterious even, how things work. I uh, think, for example, of the law in a tree. Me being a forester, I can relate that somewhat. The law of this capillary action, and they call it absorption of water by cells. Now I'm being a little technical here, but how things go down or from down through, from the roots all the way up the 350-foot redwood. How can water go up when gravity says go down? Well, what I'm saying here is that there's laws, and we need to know that these are laws not just of nature, but of God, and they're to remind this whole creation that God is God, and he's the one behind the laws, as it were, and without his hand, no one could fall, or no no water droplet could rise and feed the redwoods, or... Oh, in so many ways, this is how God takes care of his creation. That in nature. But of course, we know as human beings who are rational and moral and made originally in the image of God, God has other authorities so that it's not just God is that they're revealing, but God ought to be obeyed in the revealing of these authorities. We do obey gravity, and we we ought to in a way, but that's just so that we live physically. But there's an ethics about the other authorities that are given. We ought to obey them and submit to them as God's people, and because they, these authorities, are from God. Now, that is remarkable and blows us away that God would use very often representatives of any kind. Why does God do that? Why does God give men and women to be in authority over us? In the schools, for example, if we send our children to, to Christian schools, there's authorities there representing God on the behalf of the parents, and we are to submit to them. In the police force, we are to submit to the officer who stops us on the side of the road. And In other places of the government, the powers that be, Paul says in Romans 13, are of God. Submit to them. Don't resist their ordinances. Submit to them even, as Peter reminds us, even if they're they're, um, unreasonable and if they make a law that you don't really like and you think that's arbitrary that they would pull you over and give you a $150 fine for going five miles over the speed limit, which is arbitrary, and why do they have to do this? These are the things, by the way, that go on in my mind when I'm speeding. We run up against the authority of God. That is his representation. He is represented, his Honor is represented in these people. And that's amazing again. And the catechism reminds us that the fifth commandment is exceeding broad and deep. It has to do not only with parents in the home, but with the policeman and the badge the policeman has. Not just the gun, but the badge. 
the, honor, the, 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 the clothing that he wears, the, the uniform, reminds us that there is a God who's represented in this man, even this woman on the beat, and so on. Or in the church, the authorities that be are of God. The elders, the deacons have an authority of their office. The, the elders in the rule over the church and the government, and it's pleasing God, as the catechism reminds us, to rule and to govern them by their hand, govern us by their hand. There's a representation. Jesus himself even shows out the wonder of the authorities that God will have. When he says, when asked, uh, should he pay his tax to Caesar, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. As if Caesar's was a different domain than God's, which we know it's not, but that God is over him. But Caesar, we're told here, has a sphere of influence and a sphere of authority, and we are to respect that, to honor that. Now, beloved, it is so very clear today that the times are upon us. And as I was researching and studying and praying about the sermon, reminded of all the this world which in very real way is showing its rejection of God and rejecting all authorities of God. Rejecting his word, that's the, what they reject. They've thrown that out a long time ago, long before the 1960s. Rejecting the officer on the beat, saying we've got to get rid of the police force. Rejecting parents, of course, and all other authorities that there are, even if they're good ones, because we live in this age of independentism and the American spirit of individualism is upon us. And so here's the question of so many people nowadays. The question is, what are my rights? Not what is right. What are my rights? to do this and that, not what is right. And this is really the whole question of the fifth commandment. What is right? Who is right? Who is appointed to represent the God who's right? And the fifth commandment grounds us in the truth. It all begins in the home. And it's right that God gives you a certain father and a certain mother, a certain married couple. And they stand in a very real way between you and God. And I say this, though they're not mediators, in a very real way, you don't get to heaven unless you go through your parents. Think of all that I said with regard to that statement. I said this in a very real way, even though Jesus is the only mediator, you go there through your parents, through their instruction, not only through your learning of God from them and in the way of your obeying your parents and submitting to them. This is how important is the fifth commandment. You want to learn to have no other gods, you learn it in the home. You want to learn not to steal and to respect other people's property and, and not to take their wives and so on, you learn it in the home. You don't learn it in boot camps. Some people have to. They go off or the parents ship them off to the military to learn respect and honor. You should be learning it in the home, first of all. But... Who's learning that anymore? This is the age we live in. God would represent himself in this place called the home, the first society of all our societies. And nobody's caring for marriage anymore. Dissociated sex from marriage, so we have sex, people have sex, and there's the products of that, quite often children, and then nobody gets together. 
in shame even. There's not even that. And so that we have these single parent homes and nobody knows dad. Maybe the mother doesn't know dad. And if there's homes where people stay together, the father and the mother, well, what kind of brutality are people learning in such homes without the Lord? Amazing. What kind of brutality people learning? What kind of licentiousness? That's the other hand, people learning. The father beats his wife and the father beats his children to a pulp in drunken stupors. Or the father laughs when the children just do their thing. And he's on the internet and they're on the internet in the next room. And it's a life is a party. That's what people are learning. This is the age in which we live. and so bad that now there's two fathers in homes or two mothers. And they pass off as being a normal Christian home or a normal home. God says father and mother. Now we have father and father, father who aren't really fathers of children. They can't be without a mother or mother and mother, lesbians, homosexuals. This passes for home. Beloved, it's a mess, isn't it? The Bible in 2 Timothy 4, remember, or 3, reminds us that perilous times come, and one of the first fruits of that is that children will be disobedient to parent, parents. And Jude reminds us that the end of times are characterized by people having no respect for authorities. And need I point out the apostasy in the church, and the church is leading the way in the apostasy, also leading the way for the Antichrist. And there's no authorities that be representing God anymore because the ministers don't bring the word of God, and they don't preach on biblical marriage and headship of a man and submission necessarily so of a woman. And so there's no instruction and no authority from on high about what it is to obey the fifth commandment. Or the first, second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. It is striking, therefore, that we can even begin to appreciate this commandment and do it and see it being done in our midst. It's a work of grace. And beloved, I want, to, I want you to know that today. You are and your homes are works of grace. Because God has done another thing. He's not only given authorities and representatives and laws of nature and in other places all over the sphere of society, the sphere of God's influence. But he's come to you and to your homes in grace and mercy in Jesus. Look what the apostle points out in the family section, the G-rated section, we might say, in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. He's pointing to the fact as the inspired apostle that the children that he's addressing are God's children. They're in the Lord. And the Lord is in their home. And the parents themselves reflect something divine of God with us in Jesus. And their authority is the authority of the Lord himself who dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. And who's given all the authority in heaven on earth because he died for his own. 
And he's risen for his own. And he will be represented now in his own. In individual Christian homes. In the church home. So we're chosen in Jesus Christ. Before the foundation of the world. That's how Paul starts out. That we should be holy. And now he's reflecting the great and biblical covenant truth that we are chosen to be holy, especially in the home and on the home front. And parents act a certain way, and husbands and wives and children, and fathers and mothers. And this will be the place where God is known supremely. Yes. Represented in you, Dad, and you, Mom. And your children's obedience reflecting the righteousness of Christ himself and the blessing that he's given to you. Amazing. This is the truth of the sixth commandment. You have to understand this. The commandments come to everybody God wrote that, the work of the law, anyway, on the hearts of people. Everybody knows, have no other gods, don't commit adultery, keep the Sabbath holy even. Everybody knows, no stealing. And societal justice often reflects something of the Ten Commandments of God. There's still some respect given to that. But beloved, the Ten Commandments... We're given to Israel, remember that. And there was a special way in which they were to be the commandment-keeping people as those who were saved by God, who knew God in his lordship not only, but I would remind you of the fact that Lord here and children obeying their parents in the Lord is the Lord Jesus. If not always, at least 99% of the time in the New Testament, that's what Lord refers to. Jesus Christ, the Lord, who's the Savior. And so this whole idea of submission and all of this is, first of all, understood in the context of salvation and of a people that's glad to have God as theirs and to be their forgiving God and their loving Father, and then to give mom and dad in the homes, the Christian homes, as those who represent this God in his generosity, his magnanimity, his condescension, his love, his wisdom, his righteousness, in his spankings, in his silence, in his words, in his fellowship, his embrace. And that leads to the first duties of, that are required in the, first, uh, the fifth commandment. We go right to the parent, children, and rightly so most of the time, but I'm rightly so going to go to the parents because I believe that we need to remember that parents here are obliged to be God's representatives. That's the first thing about this fifth commandment. You expect your children, men, to submit to you and honor you if you're not as God to them. Oh, maybe you are in your words, but not your deeds. You are one who says, this is the wisdom, and I'm going to read the Proverbs for you, sons. i got lots of sons, maybe five of them, maybe more. So we're going to read Proverbs every year together because that's the sons. And you read that to them, dads, and you read that to them, and then you act like a fool. Oh, children see hypocrisy, don't they? And they say, this is just empty words, isn't it? And the nature of the child foolishness being bound up in the heart of a child will be such that he'll then test the limits of your authority 
and also the authority of God, and they'll start liking being a hellion because of dad's hypocrisy. Oh, you represent God, fathers, and you represent the God who's always there, and you're never there. Or not enough. How can that be? I often tell people, parents who come to my study, just recently even, someone from another church, what do we do with this child, eight-year-old child? What do we do with this child? She's rebelling against her mom, and she's back, uh, she's mouthing off to her dad. And sometimes she's good, but she has these spurts and all of this stuff. They're at their wit's end. I tell them, you know, we've been there. All parents, in one way or another, they come to a problem child, they say, which is not really a problem child. It's often their, their problem, their problem parents. And they've forgotten basics. Trying to figure out how to deal individually with people, they've forgotten how to deal in love with all of the lot. One, the two, the three, the ten, the twenty. But somehow have to know some basics from you parents. If you're going to deal with them individually as you should. And how about this, Dad and Mom? Maybe you're at your wit's end now. And you're wondering how this is going to happen. Remember how to spell love, will you? And it's back to this thing of representing God. And dads, you're the, the ones who have got to lead the way here. How do you spell love? Don't start it with an L. It starts with a T and an I and an M and an E. Time. That's how you love them. If God is here all the time, spend the necessary time with your wife and family. Time. Because this is, remember, in the communion of the Lord. It's not children obey your parents and in the Lord, and then you parents, you do this because you're in the communion of the boss. And the boss, your boss, is saying you got to work overtime. And you got to do this and that. And you can't be there at the mealtime. And you can't be there at the critical times. Because you got to serve me. That's what the boss says. And my company depends on you. That's a real problem, isn't it? It's a real, I say, Temptation for a lot of us men, and you say, Domini, you can't really understand that. You're home all the time. Well, I have another problem. I can be there too much, but be that as it may. What's the right time to be in your home? Just that. And I don't mean just there reading the paper, but with the people. They used to speak, don't they? they? The psychologists, quality time. All right. That's something there. Quantity, quality. Whatever it is, whatever is wise, isn't it? It's about wisdom. And for one, and for one week, maybe it's this amount of time, and you give that to the boy, whatever. But you know the time that's so necessary, the commitment to that little one. Or that teenage one. In the honor, of course, of the children, and I'm hitting hard the, the dads here. The honor that you expect to have from your children will only be to the degree that you love your wife. That's the first the context here, Ephesians 5, 22. And for you men, it starts 
with uh, verse 23, husband's head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, the Savior of the body. And so love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself to her. Your children have to know that you are under God in loving your wife. And they're not going to follow you if you're out from under God and you bully your wife, you abuse your wife, whatever word you want to call it. You don't show any affection to your wife because after all, the honeymoon's over. All those are basics. But I do, I, I, I can't dwell on those things. I want to. But now the children. Do you realize, children, that the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, comes to you, all of you, and it has to do with both your father and your mother. Not just your dad, because he's stronger, and you get bigger than mom. Quite often, you Dutchmen become bigger than your mom early on, and you're stronger. You better submit to her as well as dad or the wrath of God will be upon you. And if you dare to live a life dishonoring mom, you go to hell. Look what God says is holiness that becomes the children of God. Leviticus 19, the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. All right, that's a, that's a chapter on holiness, Leviticus 19. And you'd expect right after that, that means be in prayer. Come to church. Second verse of Leviticus 19. After you shall be holy... For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Verse 3, every one of you shall reveal his, revere his mother and his father, and then, and keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God. Only after that does the inspired Moses write, do not turn to idols nor make for yourselves molded gods. Here's the first Commandment to Israel about holiness in home. Children, you say you love Jesus. We can teach you that. You say that. You sing that. We're so glad for that. We believe in God's covenant mercies in our midst. Now, and you are exercising your wills, and that's early on too. Maybe you think you have the right to exercise your wills and even over against mom and dad. Remember what it is to be in the Lord and to be chosen in him. It is that you should be holy and that you should be holy better begin with mom and dad and submission and honor of them. And note the fifth commandment is not first of all obey them. That follows but honor them, which means decorate them, festoon them, celebrate them, delight in them as vicars of God in Christ Jesus. I covet your homes, beloved. I never had that home. Please honor mom and dad in your Christian homes with decoration, fanfare, Words, deeds, obedience, especially submission to their God, the God and Father of Jesus, and theirs and yours for Jesus' sake. By being lovers of the word that they teach you, lovers of the fathers of the faith, whom they commend to your attention and honor. Love for the whole family of God in heaven and earth because you love God. It begins in the home. Honor. Honor. I wonder 
if that, first, if that doesn't first begin in the little things, the easiest things, like calling them father or dad. Not, hey, Mitch, how you doing? Something, some term of respect, something. Used to be even that when children would refer to their parents, they would say, Mr. So-and-so is my dad. They wouldn't even say his first name without the mister. The title is so important, so important for a child. That's why I insist upon our children's saying as they come up in the morning, usually they're not doing that, they're doing like this. And they come up, you, you call me dad right away. Don't say, hi, how you doing? Dad. Some even of the Orthodox Jews will, when their parents come into the room, you know what they're doing? They're sitting down, they're sitting down in the, in the pew. Dad comes, up they go. Really? That's what they do when the president enters the room. You know that? And they call him Mr. President, and they rise up in deference to him. How much more in our homes where mom and dad represent the king of the universe? All. Little things like that. And obedience, as Colossians says, In chapter 3 and verse 20, a parallel passage. Obedience in all things. Children, obey your parents in all things. And with this motivation, this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Something. All things. All things. Oh, yeah. And that's things that are found in the Bible. You know, well, yeah, I'm going to do that because... I'm not going to worship Buddha because God says he's the only God. I'm going to attend church because the Bible says, uh, you know, neglect not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Yes, of course, that. But also in the things where that doesn't have a particular order from God, does he? Curfew? All things. 10 o'clock, you're home. But dad, 10 o'clock, you're home. Yes, God. That's what you say. You're under my wings. You're growing up. This is what you're going to do. And you get up, 7 o'clock. Oh, 7? Yep, family devotions. We're doing that. These kinds of things. Right? Authority. Authority given the wisdom of God to raise children in the fear of God in this nasty world. Authority. And love together. That's the said to be the missing link. We have discovered, by the way, the missing link. Christians have. The missing link about what makes a family go round and go up and go to the altar together. Missing link is simply these two things, truth and love together. Truth and love together. A lot of homes have a kind of truth and a power, and they kind of have a love but no truth. But the Christian homes have the truth and love together because we have God with us in Jesus and the spirit of Jesus, and we know what covenant is all about and that our homes are not just boot camps, nor are they just fun party houses. They're places of where people are nurtured and brought up in the truth and love of God. That means parents, as Paul goes on to say, especially to dad, watch out. Especially your children get a little older. They start making decisions. Don't provoke them to wrath by squashing their own personality. You don't like that about them. By lumping them all together, by 
giving demands that are impossible for them to keep, and by doing this, and this is a real problem with dads, censuring, criticizing all the time. Word to fathers, rest and listen, especially a word to fathers. Be encouragers. It is so easy to find fault with your children. They're growing up. They make mistakes. Oh, do they make mistakes? We laugh about that. Together now, you can do that it's when your kids get older. Make mistakes. They have different things they like to do. Salt. Pour it on food and it'll be, oh, man, don't you know that? Or something else they, they, they'll do. And you turn the other way, kind of, and you don't say, no, you, you can't do that every single time. You got to learn. You got to learn. Some of you have shared with me that real thing. And you you almost say, you know what? I hope they fall off the swing, right? Because they've got to learn somehow. I've told them time and again, be careful. Well, okay, you've got to look the other way. They fall off the swing. Hopefully they don't break their leg. And hopefully they learn to avoid dangers. Don't exasperate, dads. Be as the Holy Spirit of Christ, an encourager, a comforter, a teacher, not a Lord tyrant, but a Lord lover, and be there. Be there when they're young, right above them looking down, their bassinet, then their crib, and then with them crawling around to show the God who's above with them. On their level. That's being as Jesus. And then when they grow up, you're with them. And lo and behold, those who were your children, who will always be your children and always called to honor you, and you always called to be a dad and a mom, and that's a good thing, and to give wisdom as you can, but you got to be wise about giving wisdom. You're not the same situation. Things change. Well, then those, those little ones... Become big ones, become your friends. And you walk with God together. That leads to the final point. And you know, I just kind of, not shot from the hip, but from the heart. As a dad to dad, dads, and a, and a husband to husbands, and as one submitting to the Lord himself and seeking to honor him in the home. That's what this sermon's about. I leave you with this. The promise, the promise of life eternal. That's what this means, really. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long in the earth. Really, I've been trying to bring out to you, however poorly, that that promise has to do, first of all, with God being in the home. He makes you his. That's the first commandment with promise. It comes to where God makes his homes. And then the promise comes to us in our seeking to obey, to obey God. Jesus is there, and the Spirit works in us when we fail to give us to know what's right and then to do what's right. Oh, no, yes, by the way, lots of apologies in homes from the children and from the parents, oftentimes beginning with the parents to the children, has to be in this broken world, but also lots of grace. That's the first commandment with promise, I tell you, in the covenant home, lots of grace and mercy. And then also in the outcome, that it may be well with you. That applies even in an earthly point of view. Children obey their parents. They don't walk out in the street. They don't die. Parents love their, parent, their, their children. They don't abort them. And then they don't kill them by keeping them from the word of God. They, they promote true life. 
They also provide, though. They provide. Of course, you better men. Provide, and women, you're with us. Provide bread and meat and whatever else they need to grow. Care, time, these things. With eternal life. That's how this works. That's how God works. God, who's God? Through you, on the behalf of God. Working in and through you. Truth that is saving. It's for the salvation of the children. That it may be well with them. They may be happy and that they may live long in the earth. And the commandment in Exodus 20 says, live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's Canaan, but that's a type of heaven, the promised land. This is the first commandment with that promise. There it is. Do this and live? No, because the Lord has made his home in you You do this out of thanks, and lo and behold, there's life. Understand that, people of God, all around us is death. And death because the homes are broken, there's no God, there's no God in the home representing God in the home. And there's death, but there's life among the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord as it is in Jesus and in your homes. Amen. We pray, Father, that you would bless us and keep us and help us to respond to the word thankfully. Honoring you and honoring parents and being honorable parents. For you are worthy of all honor in this wonderful way of covenant. Thanks for being ours. Thanks for placing us in the communion of Christ. Thanks for forgiveness. Lord, we would go forward now encouraged. We've messed up. Children, we're so in need The children are saying even now that we're so in need of you, O God. And the parents are saying we are so in need of you, O God. Our homes need you. And we love you. And we pray continue to be with us. Bless even our feeble efforts. Make us strong in the Lord. Believing always this God who is the God of promise and who promises to be our God now and forever. Amen.